On today's episode, Anna is sharing Finland's longest unsolved crime, the Lake Bodum murders. Welcome to Crime Bar. afternoon ashley hello let's start it with a cheers okay sorry i was drinking it before we did that i think that might be bad luck oh or something i was gonna say i'll forgive you your rudeness but oh is it just rude i believe so oh we're fine i apologize any life updates (laughs) from from me yeah from you no cool your mic is saggy yeah i know it's like i can't get it to there you go magic spot no I don't know. There we go. Yeah. Oh, there she is. She's loud and proud. So, Ashley. um, Yes, huh? We've discussed this in length. I made a concerted effort to not cover cases that were remotely similar, back to back. Something that we just pay mind to. Sure. Yeah, it just has to be different. Different types of victims. and Mix it up. Exactly, for variety. But um, I did not do that. Are you covering a child killer? No, I'm just saying my story. I don't know if you remember, but I covered basically a camping situation gone wrong. Oh, that was like two episodes ago, though. Yeah, well, I'm about to about to be doing that again. Uh. <laughs> I don't know if it's like my, I feel like it's my duty to warn people now that the months are getting warmer and people are going to want to have funds with funds. <laughs> They're going to want funds with their friends and family. And I'm you telling can't them, do that. You can't do that. No. Not in my house. Mm-mm. So... I'm just going to dive right into this. And okay. I, I don't know if you know I'm covering the Lake Bodum murders. Okay. Have you heard anything about this? No, I don't know where that lake is. It is the longest, actually, I guess I could just say this. It's the longest unsolved case ever in Finland. The longest unsolved yes. case? Yes. Okay. Still, it's a cold case. I thought you were going to say it's the longest lake in some place, <laughs> so I didn't, like, yeah. No. I wasn't following. I don't yeah. know. Sorry. No. Okay, interesting. Cool. Mm -hmm. Yes. So on June 4th, 1960, two couples set out for a romantic camping trip. Oh, the way that you had suggested. That we do things. we do that? Yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. The universe Mm -hmm. heard me and said, Anna, I'm going to shut that idea down real quick for Ashley's sake and for your own. Well, I think I shut it down enough for everyone, but I gotcha. I didn't quite kill my buzz too much. Really? A little bit. I was secretly kind of interested in it, but... So the couple in this story, um, they were made up of two 15-year-old girls, and they were named Myla Borkland. Okay. Forgive me if I did not get that right. And Anya Maki. And they both had 18-year-old boyfriends, and they were named Seppa Boysman and Niels Gustafsson. I will be so referring there, only first names from here on out because those I- Those boys, the, was their first and last names? Seppo Boysman and Niels Gustaf, Gustafsson. Oh. Niels and Seppo. 
Niels and Seppo. Okay. Yes. The way that you said it, I thought it was, you were just telling me what the boys' last names were. And I was like, okay, what are their first names now? I said that in a way that no one would be able to criticize me pronouncing anything incorrectly with such speed just to yeah. get through it. It sounded real. Thank like you. you had it, you got, you got it right. It's my false confidence when I give you facts. So no. they left Vanta on a very hot afternoon and they drove 16 miles west. The teenagers went to a very well-known and popular camping site that was located on the shore of Bodin Jarvi. And in English, that translates to Lake Bodum. And I'll be only referring to it as Lake Bodum from here on out because... Because that's its name? Because Finnish pronunciation is just not... Sure, you know, sure, sure. It's not my strong How suit. did you even do research for this? Most of my sources were Finnish articles that had been translated to English. And oh, okay. I mentioned at some point that one of them was like cute enough to like the first paragraph was an apology of, I'm so sorry. If there's any misinterpretations. I did the best that I could to translate Aww. this. But um, the lake that they went to is located in Espoo, Finland. And it's located in the Southern part of the country. And it is along the shore of the Gulf of Finland. Okay. The four teenagers spent the afternoon doing very normal things, and they were swimming, fishing, setting up camp, exploring the surrounding area, and Lake Bodum is absolutely stunning, and it looks exactly how you would picture a lake in Finland to be. Just stunning. Crystal clear water, birch trees, pine trees. Stunning. Um, And on top of that, the area um, around the campsite is relatively busy with people of all ages, adults, kids. Um, so it feels very safe. Yeah, I'd be more inclined to yeah. camp at a place that's busy. It's just not a place where you would think anything bad could just slide. Everyone, There's always someone doing something. Yeah. So that evening, the boys had a few drinks, and it doesn't seem as if the girls did. So just the 18-year-olds. Okay. And everything was going smoothly. And what year was this, did you say? 1960. And did you say that? And again, I wasn't yes. listening. Yes. You said that and yes, I wasn't listening. Yes, but you'll listening. be forgiven. Okay, sorry. I, I said don't specifically know why. June 4th, 1960. Ugh, just in case you were curious. Sorry. Sorry. It's okay. We all, me- we all mess up big sometimes. Yeah. So the four teenagers were sleeping when their nightmare began. In the early hours of the morning, sometime between 4 and 6 a.m., Anya, Seppo, and Mila were bludgeoned and stabbed to death through the tent. The assailant cut the ropes of the tent so that it fell down on top of their sleeping bodies. And this made it very easy for him to see the outline of their sleeping figures. Therefore, he was able to just blindly stab and strike the victims from the outside of the tent. The killer attempted to attack Niels as well, but he was not killed. The next... Yes. Oh. So the next (laughs) morning... Huh, immediately suspicious. (laughs) The next morning, around 6 a.m., a group of boys were bird watching, which is so wholesome. Oh my gosh, so cute. So 1960 European, just a bunch of bird watching boys. Um, Like how little were these boys? um, They, it sounds like they were teenagers. Some say like like 11 to 13, sort of that age range. You have to move your mic. Your voice keeps going out. Is this better? Oh wow, that is so much better. (laughs) okay like you're wearing headphones for a reason (laughs) yeah but sometimes it sounds like it's cutting out but then it's actually fine when you listen back so I didn't know if it was as the person who edits it that's not true it's not no (laughs) I said it with such confidence (laughs) once again (laughs) so the the boys they're bird watching they notice something strange they see this 
tent that is completely collapsed along the shore of the lake. They also happened to see at this time a blonde man leaving the site, but they unfortunately couldn't catch a glimpse of his face. Okay. So a man named Olavi Kivilhari mm-hmm. was <laughs> correct. Yeah. Was fishing west of the campsite and he claimed that he also saw a man walking away from the crime scene. He described the man as anywhere between 20 and 30 years old, 5'8", with a regular build, wearing dark trousers and a light shirt. Okay. Hours later, around 11 a.m., a carpenter named Esko Johansson was swimming in the lake with his son. As he was in the lake, he also noticed the fallen tent, and he decided to do something about that. He thought it was suspicious, so he's the first person to actually go up. And he decides to take a closer look, and he discovered the most gruesome scene yeah the teenager's tent was torn bloodied and completely collapsed he found Niels outside of the tent still alive he had a fractured jaw multiple stab wounds and several broken facial bones one article stated that he had a gash that was so deep on his cheek that you could see the teeth showing through the hole so it was just completely torn through he was completely clothed except for his shoes He was lying next to a female that was dead, and this was his girlfriend. Mm. Esco contacted the police, and they arrived on the scene an hour later. So this means that by the time the police arrived, the teenagers had already been dead for more than six hours. Okay. Investigators discovered that the victims had not been killed from inside the tent. The three teenagers had all been murdered from outside. Mm -hmm. He attacked using some sort of blunt instrument, but because they couldn't find the weapon on the scene. They just kind of assumed it was a rock. Sure. But they would have no way of nearly knowing. Well, it's a campsite, so I'm sure there's tons of rocks and blunt objects everywhere. Nature's nature stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the killer viciously stabbed through the walls and the roof of the tent. The murder weapons, once again, were not found, but they could tell by the wounds that they had been, in fact, been a knife. Neil's girlfriend, Myla, suffered the worst of the attack. Mm. She had been undressed completely from the waist down and she was lying on top of the collapsed tent wait what yeah so she so that i mean one can assume that so she was clearly killed from outside and then her body had been brought on top of the collapsed tent she had been undressed and they were they were able to find out that post-mortem she had been stabbed something like 15 times Post-mortem. Post-mortem, yeah. So, wow. uh, yeah. so Okay, I thought they were all in they, they were able, the so they were in the tent when they were being attacked. Yeah. But Oh, and then she, oh, yeah. okay, I'm yes. sorry. So then she was taken out. Yeah. And probably raped since she was. Correct. Pantsless. She was lying, she was found lying next to her boyfriend, Niels, when the police found her. Seppo and Anya were said to be murdered with less brutality. Seppo, but still with. Immense brutality. A ton, yeah. Seppo was discovered lying on his back. He had suffered stab wounds to his neck and his chest, as well as horrific trauma to his head. And he was said to have died from blood inhalation. Mm -hmm. Anya was found in the fetal position, and she had been hit so hard on the head that her jaw broke in two different places, and she was missing teeth. So the impact just popped them out. So I think the fact that the girlfriend of Neil's, the only survivor, raised a lot of questions and we'll, to investigators, and we'll yeah. talk more about that later. So, every, and did, what I said, they they did believe she was raped, or did they? 
Yeah, so that's not widely covered, and I don't know why. They don't, oh. There's only one article that addressed the fact that there had been semen found on the scene, and oh. it's something that wasn't even used in court for other reasons that I will oh. also okay, talk sorry. in the future yeah, about. Okay. Yeah. So everything about this is disturbing and almost impossible to comprehend, and the crime scene itself only mystified everyone further because detectives discovered that multiple possessions had been taken. The assailant had taken their wallet, their keys to their motorcycles, but did, didn't did take the motorcycles. Um, so one could think that maybe that was a way of preventing them Making from leaving. Making sure they died, yeah. Um, Niels's shoes, if you remember, he was completely clothed except for his shoes. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were able to find that they were partly buried over a quarter mile away. Partly buried? Partly, once again, weird. Um, the tracks of blood showed that the killer had worn them leaving the scene and then taken them off to, and then tried to hide them. Mm. Oh, really? Yes. Seppo's leather jacket was also taken, but never found. The missing items very likely were taken as souvenirs, but we just have no way of knowing because it really depends on who did it. Yeah, I guess so. Milo's journal was recovered at the crime scene, and there was an entry that had been made on June 4th. It read, Seppi and Nisi were drunk up at 2 a.m. Seppi was fishing. Okay. Just worth noting that that's the day that they that died. The day, yeah, they they were killed. This is two a.m. and they were killed June fifth. So the morning of. So oh, June, okay. yeah. So June fifth. Okay. But, but ultimately, yeah. So okay. Hours before. I According love that she was like, I got to journal this. I know they're drunk. Yeah. And then and he's he went fit, fishing. And he's fishy. I know. And there was like a little drawing, like a cute little kid drawing next to it. According to DarkIdeas.net. During this time of year, the sun rises at 3 a.m. in the morning. And because this is a very busy campsite, this meant that the attack most likely had to occur in a very small window of time, possibly between 3 and 5.30 a.m. And this is due, because I had to Google this, uh, this is due to a natural phenomenon that occurs in the summer months, and it is called the midnight sun. Okay. That's interesting. Sounds like a Pink Floyd song to me. Yeah. So on top of an already very complex case, the surrounding area had been destroyed by nosy onlookers, the police, and other campers. Just absolutely no respect from the other campers when it came to a crime scene. Wow. The police didn't protect the crime scene at all by taping it off, and it was led it was left wide open for contamination. And it's already a pretty difficult crime scene. It's Anything out in the elements and then when it's vast whatever woods or well, it's six I assume hours this later. is like woods yes yeah it's some yeah. wooded area and heavily wooded you know you have water it's involved hard to trace that stuff yeah so not only was the scene not blocked off but the police did not take any official recordings of their findings what at this point the police were panicking and trying to correct the massive mistakes that they had made so they hire soldiers to help search for all of the missing items that they couldn't locate so they have a bunch of soldiers just trampling through the crime scene, which only made more issues. They just destroyed yeah, it further. Yeah. It's not a lot of good thinking on no. their end. Next to the tent, a pillowcase that was rolled up and tied with an elastic band was discovered. And if you see it, it is basically as if you took a, it's just like a white long pillowcase with something suspending on the ends, just kind of like rolled up. I will show you a photo now. <laughs> Okay. Or did I not do an excellent job describing that? Okay, so it's a... It's just basically a white pillowcase. And rolled up tightly, so it looks kind of like a Tootsie Roll. Exactly. And then just tied... 
but it's mysterious because so tests were done and on this pillowcase okay. and both semen and blood were found on the pillowcase fabric okay so tests were obviously not advanced at all in the 1960s no. and it's possible that the fact that there were two different secretions hate that word made it impossible to make a match so because there was blood and semen involved it was possible that it was it was basically inconclusive because the test itself got confused and that's one reason that make it was a dismissed match to what dna is not even a thing then um, and that the, according to uh, darkideas.net, they were they ran tests to see what what was on mm. the thing, and it said that there was semen and blood. It doesn't it didn't say who it belongs to? Right. But it did say that there was semen and blood, and we don't. I was going to say, how do you know in the '60s? Or am I like totally I, forgetting DNA? I thought it was right like now. a huh? I'm panicking right now. <laughs> <laughs> the article said it. You don't need to panic. Okay, Ooh, sorry. I don't know. Well, I don't know. So the local police endured heavy criticism for how they ran the investigation. Yeah, They said that a lot of the issues were caused by a miscommunication because of the language barrier, because there was Swedish speaking police and then there was Finnish locals. But unfortunately, in my opinion, there's a lot more to blame than a language barrier miscommunication. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter what language it is. Like you, you record you things. You do what you got to do. You record you, findings. You tape it you off. tape it off, yeah. I feel like that applies to all crimes. Yeah. Unfortunately, this crime happened in the 60s, so there wasn't a great deal of forensic technology, and the murder weapons couldn't be found, and all the police really had to go off of was Neil's recollection of the event. Oh, yeah. So we haven't so, even talked about that yet. I'm not sure. Understandably so. Um, I'm not sure if it was a combination of the complete panic and you're also disoriented. You're, you're deep asleep and all of a sudden you and your friends are being stabbed at. So of course that that would create hysteria. Sure. Um, and on top of that, he had a concussion so he could hardly Very. remember anything. Okay. He claims to not remember anything, okay. but he said that he had a brief recollection that I'll discuss later, but basically he saw a dark figure with red eyes. Like a Yeti? I was going to say, that doesn't... And people were saying there was like a... I guess pe the locals were saying that it sounded like death itself had visited them. Sure, sure, so It was like whatever. a folklore type thing. Yeah, whatever. That's not how life works. That's not how life works. So now investigators have a botched crime scene, a victim with zero memory of the attacks, and no murder weapons. Mm -hmm. Understandably, the police hung on to the description of a tall blonde man because they were fairly sure that this had to be the killer. They had was no Neil face. a tall blonde man? This is something we will once again okay, get sorry. to. <laughs> At one point, Niels was actually hypnotized in hopes of revealing new information about the attack. Mm, I'm so <coughs> I have a tickle that is so oh my god. Yeah, drink up, baby. I feel like a little acrylic nail is in my throat just going beep boop. Ew. Yeah. The hell. Or like any nail, anything tickling, a Q tip, if you may, anything just tickling me. Uh, what do you, I, just because of what you just said about the hypnotism, would you ever get hypnotized? I actually, this is very, this is a vulnerable thought that we can either crop or keep, but, okay. um, I looked into being hypnotized to help with self-esteem. I love that. It's a very common thing. Yeah. Um, I actually don't know how common, but apparently they do, they do specialize in this where you, you can work with a hypnotist and they can say, you are beautiful. You are enough. You like basically the, just all of the nice things. Yeah. Um, and apparently a lot of people have a lot of luck with it when it comes to like alcoholism and drug abuse mm -hmm. and things like that, because a lot of things are mental. Yeah. So 
I don't know. I would be just terrified of putting my brain in the hands of a stranger. Mm. It's a lot of control that they have over your brain. Sure. But um, yeah, so I think I would. So they hypnotize meals. And just in case you were wondering, I don't know if I would do it because you didn't ask me. Yeah. Oh, so sorry. <laughs> it's a one-sided combo over here. This is the spotlights on me today. Yeah. So Niels recalled waking up to the tent, falling on them before getting torn apart with the weapons. He said he briefly saw the killer and was able to give a physical description that actually matched the description Olavi Kilvati had given. Sure. The 5'8", dark trouser, yeah. whatever. So now we're going to talk about the main suspects. Oh, that's interesting. So it wasn't just, for some reason, I, I assumed you meant just a tall blonde person, which I assume everyone there is. Is a tall blonde. Yeah. yeah. But his clothing, yes, yeah, so it was dark trousers. The other man's description, correct. Dark okay. trousers, five eight, light jacket, blonde. Okay, between the age of twenty and thirty, okay. and they believed Niels strictly because, I guess, there was no way at this point that he knew the physical description that Olavi had given. Sure, he wouldn't have known. Yeah. So it was just, it was just a, not a coincidence, but perhaps, yeah. perhaps a connection. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about main suspects now. Yeah, the first suspect was a man named Carl Gilstrom. He was a violent alcoholic that beat his wife and his children. He didn't have the best reputation in the area. People said that he was hostile and aggressive towards the hikers and campers in the area. He owned and operated a kiosk that was located very close to Lake Bodum. So people that would go camping and visit would often stop by this kiosk, which pissed him off. And which is weird that is you he run running a, business. a business. He's running a business, but he Catering had so much to anger. These hikers hated okay. him. And a few of the witnesses claimed that Carl would throw rocks at hikers. Oh, he would shoot at cars. Oh, and he would even cut down campers' tents, which is something that was done to the four kids that were sure. So attacked. why? What was he selling at his kiosk? Uh, anything from fruits to okay. I think just magazines, things like that. Okay. And there's actually a rumor that he would hide um, razor blades in the oh, apples. Yeah. Oh, so he's just sadistic. He's, oh, he's insane. And he would do this to prevent people from stealing. But I think he just wanted to inflict pain. Yeah. What insane. is that logic? Carl's nuts. Prevent them from stealing. Mm-hmm. If they're going to steal, they're not going to know that there's a razor in that apple. So that was what I was trying to figure out. And I couldn't find anything about that. I didn't know if he was hiding it in the heaps of the apples. So if you like kind of try oh. to... In my head, I initially thought that they, he was putting it inside of them. Yeah, that's what I like. But I think too. he was putting it in the heap, so if oh. they were to reach and snatch, they would get cut. But he, and it was said that he hated all visitors, but he especially hated kids. Okay, so I could see why he'd be a really good suspect. Absolutely. I guess a couple people said that they saw Carl leaving the crime scene, but they were so scared of him that they didn't want to say anything. And I don't want to point fingers, but that is such an incorrect way of handling things. Sure. But, like, at some point, obviously, they said that. That's why we know they said that. Yes, so. but the timing is... Yeah. A lot of a lot of this stuff came out a lot later. Okay. Um, I just want to say, if mm-hmm. you ever see something and you're scared for your safety, I feel like if you go to the authorities, aren't they the people who could provide protection? That is my logic. Okay. Yeah. So I'm not alone in that. Okay. No, Continue. I'm very much on the same page. So on top of being known for being violent and mean, working near Lake Bodum and being seen leaving the crime scene, he supposedly, what? do you ever just not finish a sentence and then move on? Yeah. Interesting. 
You mean you didn't finish writing your sentence? Is yeah, that I, what you... I literally said dot, dot, dot. He supposedly, like I went into like a whole different <laughs> thing. Oh, Basically wow. what that sentence was supposed to end with is that he seems like a very, very, very strong suspect. <laughs> is that how that was supposed to end? Do you it. have any memory? No, but I think that that, that is it. But interestingly enough, he supposedly confessed to a few unknown details about the murders, and he made these confessions while being both drunk yeah. and sober. Okay, so what was that? But they didn't say. Oh, well, they don't. They don't say. But the okay. police ignored it, and this is because his wife claimed that she, that he was in bed with her the night of the murders. So they figured that this is like a strong alibi, even though. No, you can no, never trust the wife or the husband's alibi. Oh, especially in a situation where she's being beaten regularly of by course, this man. Of course, yeah. She's got kids involved. Yeah, that's not. Exactly. So the alibi was good enough for them and they moved on. So, Nine, so because of that alibi, yes. the, anything that comes up. There's a lot of frustrating things involved in this case. I don't want to like shit on this. Oh, it's brutal. Finn, what, where are we? Finland. Finland's police, but like, mm -hmm. what? Yeah, I punched my mattress a couple of times <laughs> when writing this. Nine, <laughs> like, a, like a child. Like a child. Yeah, with my little fists. So nine years after the murders, Carl was found dead in the lake and they ruled it a suicide. Okay. Once, but I mean, suspicious. Is it? Yeah, he killed himself perhaps out of guilt at the location in which... He possibly murdered these teenagers. Or out of guilt <laughs> for being a terrible person who beat Combo. everybody and attacked everyone who went to that lake. Yeah, his personality doesn't seem like he has a lot of remorse, so no. who knows. But years later, when his wife was on her deathbed, she recanted her alibi. Oh, stop. She said that she actually did not know where he was the night of the murders. Oh. I know. Frustrating. Very frustrating. She could have just done it as soon as he died. She could have said it right away, not on her deathbed. Left his butt. Or she, yeah, I was going to say where she could Or would that. she have gotten in trouble? By him? No, I mean by Oh, by lying. Yeah, I guess you would You would be. If you lied to I the people. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. We should I don't know up. the rules. The second suspect was a man named Hans Assman. <laughs> Are you sure? Yes, I am sure because I looked up multiple uh, articles because I said that to Bobby. And he said, just because it's written does not mean it's real. And I said, his <laughs> name is Hans Assman. I'm not going to make any jokes. It's inappropriate. No, we're not going to joke about it. No. But I just oh, wait, wanted, but he's a suspect. But he's, yeah, so we can make fun of his, his name. Unless you two have the last name of Assman, then that's totally cool. <laughs> and then in that case, we're so sorry. <laughs> and and we were, let us know if that's actually how you pronounce it. We'll just say Asman. How? That <laughs> <laughs> makes it cool. How is it spelled? A-S-S-M-A-N-N. Assman. Oh, shit. That yeah, is no, Asman. Yeah, it is. Asman. I didn't just decide yeah. <laughs> to make fun of this guy. <laughs> So the rumor was that Hans was a KGB spy. Oh my God. <laughs> what was that? Sorry. Rewind. The rumor was that Hans was a KGB spy and he happened to live very, very close to the shores of Lake Bodum. And I don't know how to pronounce this website and I want you to look at it so I don't make fun. I don't sound like someone that says memes instead of memes. Is it imgur.com or is I-M-G-U-R? I think it's Imgur. Okay. So we're according to Imgur.com, a former police officer editor, Maddie Polero, claims that ass man. A police officer editor? It said, it said, a for, this isn't a quote. Okay. A former police officer editor 
Maddie, so I think he's now an editor, but he used to be a police officer. Okay. I don't want to criticize imgur.com, but yeah. not the best wording. Yeah, it's a little confusing. So they claimed, or he claims that ass man called him in December. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I know, I know, I know. How many times are you going to say his name? That's, that's, that's the last time. Okay. I always refer to him as Hans on purpose. Except for this time. Except for this oh, part. because you're it's reading a quote. A quote. Sorry. So okay. they claim that ass man called him in December 1997 and asked him to come and listen to his life story. According to Pelero, ass man told, oh my God, this is not professional. I'm so sorry. According to Polaro, Assman told that he had served in SS troops and also as a guard in Auschwitz during World War II. Oh. So who knows if he was actually a spy, but he was accused of multiple murders throughout the years. Maddie Polaro had also suspected that Hans was responsible for five other unsolved cases at the time, and he was supposedly linked to a double murder that had occurred only 10 months before the Lake Bodum murders took place. Oh. So he was just fishy yeah. to the authorities. Yeah. Hans was described as reclusive, and maybe his mysterious nature made people question his true identity. I love that you're like, this isn't professional. Is it for like professional people? (laughs) I know, I know, I know, I know. But I was trying to tell myself to stop laughing during a serious moment. Well, with a name like us, man. Cannot blame me. I'm only human. Yeah. Hans was described as reclusive, and maybe his mysterious nature made people question his true identity. So... Anyways, the reason that he was considered a suspect is because he actually had gone to the Helsinki Surgical Hospital the day after the murders. Okay. When he shows up, his fingernails are caked in dirt and his, and his clothes are literally covered in blood. And it will, red stains, which we could assume is blood. Not jello or... No. Paint. I don't know why I said... Or paint. <laughs> jello. Red jello. Craving it. That uh, does sound good. Doesn't it? I know. The hospital staff said that his temperament was aggressive and agitated. And for some very bizarre reason, it doesn't seem like they addressed the fact that those red stains were most likely blood, even though the doctors insisted that it was, in fact, blood. Okay, what? They basically question him briefly and then decide to just not pursue him um, any longer because he had a solid alibi. And they did not say what the alibi was. Okay, well then. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't believe it. So then, then, remember how those bird watchers saw a tall blonde man leaving the murder scene? I hope my, if I have a bunch of boys, I hope my, when they're teenagers, they are bird watchers. I do too. You can, you can force that upon them. No, but I'm going to try. <laughs> you can try all your, with all your I'll might. I'll try. So Hans, so that, that description was leaked or leaked, <laughs> revealed to the public. Oh, okay. And well, it could have been leaked. Yeah, I just so didn't know it? if that was like a current 2020 or 2021 term. Oh. But it was revealed. And Hans cut off all of his hair once the killer's physical description had been released. Oh. Very suspicious. So his, and, and on top of that, his clothes also matched. Oh. The ones that he showed up in. I was going to ask that. The yeah. jello stains. Was and, it brown pants or what? I, I don't know yeah, what you said Yeah, it was dark trousers, light jacket or shirt. Yeah. And I'm going to show you the sketch of the murderer versus next to Hans. Ew. The eyes. So literally the same person. Yes. And how rare is that? Because this is Hans ass man. This is, this is the ass man. And then the, uh, just the physical description. Wow. And they never get that right. 
That is one thing I've noticed is that the sketches that they do, like let's say the Night Stalker versus the actual Night Stalker. Well, yeah, but they rarely it's get it right. not always their fault. Not their fault at all, but just going off of memory was what I'm saying is that it's very sure. difficult describing something and then the yeah, sketch, know, you know, yeah. getting it right. But this one is. But I mean, like with the Night Stalker, isn't weren't most of those descriptions from the victims themselves? Yes, or people seeing him, I think, sneak out of the apartment and things oh, like that, okay. like people from the neighborhood. But who knows? Because I could I'm, see these bird watching teenage boys having a better in the light of day description, yeah, and not Absolutely. traumatized and attacked and stuff. I'm just saying that I was Im- very impressed. Yeah, no, that that's comp- very impressive because that's uncanny. Yeah, that and is Hans Assman. That is the Assman. So there's this photo from the victim's funeral that has been circling the internet. A man is seen in the crowd and he has never been seen again. It's like a very distinct face and they weren't able to locate his identity. And when people saw this, they claimed that it must be Hans. And I'm going to show you this photo and you tell me if you think it looks like the ass man. The bulgy eyes. That's the one and only. That is. That's Hans. Ass man. I know. I'm telling you. Those eyes, you cannot. uh, Wow. Yeah. So not only did he match the physical description, he showed up at the hospital covered in blood the day after the murders, and he was just let go. It wasn't until 44 years later in March of 2004 that an arrest was made. What? And do you want to guess who that was? Was it the ass man? It's been someone that's been mentioned, but it's not the ass man. Okay, who was the other guy? The other guy killed himself. Mm-hmm. Oh, Niels. Niels. Niels <sighs> Gustafsson. The only survivor of the tax. The KRP police force performed a blood splatter analysis on the tent and came to the conclusion that Niels was most likely the killer. The police said that they had been very suspicious of Niels the entire investigation for numerous reasons. Um, First, was that obvious? For obvious and numerous reasons. Um, And now that it is the 2000s, they're able to test the blood that was found on the scene. Oh, okay. Sometimes that stuff doesn't get preserved. So they oh, yeah. had it. Yeah, so. they were very lucky. That's amazing. And a lot of things were lost with time, but that was oh, something okay. they were able to test. So the first reason they were suspicious was the fact that the killer had worn Niels' shoes and ditched them when he was a little over a quarter mile away. Yeah, like what are the odds what that they're the, the same shy? Like he kills these people and then he's like, oh. Takes the shoes. I am I forgot my shoes. Yeah. So let me check this, fellas. And it's the same Mm-hmm. I assume he's got small feet because you know what small feet means. So I'm going to say seven and a half. Yes, yeah, seven and a half. Solid. Yeah. Well, and then um, he just puts them on and then like he's like, I'm going to walk away. And now I'm going to bury them here and I'm going to continue barefoot. And then where are his shoes? You know, well, if, if I, you were to take that's that, what it's I like mean. there's I so many I, things I that don't add he up. Never, he was a barefooted killer. <laughs> yeah, the barefooted campsite killer. Yeah. So <clears throat> the shoes had been covered in blood that did not come from Niels, but from the other victims. Once again, oh. what? DNA profiling only raised suspicions that Niels was the killer. The only DNA found during examinations came from the four victims. Okay. No other DNA was found. I do think he did this, but to be fair, if they were all sleeping, it wouldn't be totally crazy that Niels's shoes might be near the other victims. Like they were maybe? they had taken and them off got, and slept. Great yeah. point that I didn't think of. Right. Like maybe they just had happened to not be near his body when he was attacked. Yeah, you don't sleep but in that's, your shoes. But I'm just like playing devil's advocate. Yes. Devils. That Pinot Grigio get to your kid. brain. Get to me. <laughs> um, 
Because I think he did it. So, and obviously they think so too. So, like, good on them. Like, we're all on the same page now. Cool. There's so much more. Oh, what? Mm-hmm. So, the fact that Niels's girlfriend had received the worst of the attacks and was undressed from the waist down meant that it could have been sexually motivated. Right. Because the other girl was not undressed and she had not been assaulted. Oh. Myla possibly, so they, this is a theory. Myla possibly turned down Neil's advances. Therefore, he took up most of his rage on her. Oh, yeah. She's only 15, it's possible, and he's 18, so there might be a, you know, a difference in readiness on Well, she whatever. could have also just, like, not wanted to. She could have been tired. Yeah. It's been a long day on the lake. So during trial, the prosecution spun this story that involved Neil's getting drunk and kicked out of the tent. When Seppo tried to talk to him, a fight happened. They assume that Seppo won that fight because of Niels's broken bones in his face and oh, his fractured jaw. Like a physical fight. Yeah, they're saying that those may possibly those injuries were sustained bef- not from mm. a killer, but from Seppo. I gotcha. Okay. This story was built around a few supposed witnesses that decided to come forward after decades. So I don't know if there's legitimacy, but yeah. based off of the article written about this witness report, it sounds like there are doubts about her experience but I believe it's worth mentioning always. Okay. This witness claimed the two guys were super drunk and they just had wandered off and come up to their tent late at night and she was with her girlfriends. Okay. And she and her friends report that Niels had tried to fight Seppo at some point, probably just like a, a drunk Drunken fueled thing. rage. And perhaps the loss of that fight set him off and in a rage, maybe he got went back to the tent to stab his three friends. Okay. That's kind of like the story that they're spinning. Okay. Um, And then as a way to cover up the murders that he had committed, the prosecution claimed that he inflicted the superficial stab wounds on himself. That's very possible. Totally possible. You know, cut up his like defense wounds. Yeah. And according to darkideas.net, cerebral fluid was leaking from Niels's nose. And this was most likely, I know, I've never heard of this happening. And this is most likely caused by the hard blow to the back of his head, I guess. Oh, so, oh. Yeah, so, so Neil, he could have hit him. Well, so that's but this that's is where I'm this confused. is going into the defense's argument. Oh, basically, okay. the I'm just saying that the prosecution was saying that he that he uh, injured himself as a way of not looking suspicious, but according to the documentation of his injuries, he was severely severely injured. Okay. The same article also stated that doctors believed that he could have died from these injuries if he had not received urgent medical care. Urgent? Didn't he lay there for like six, six hours? Six hours. I, that's, I saw, and then seven, the technically, wasn't it? Wasn't it like six hours they thought they had been there dead and then an hour later? So it was, the police um, showed up six hours after. Oh, okay. Still, that's still a long time. Very, that's very urgent. long. So while it is possible that someone could inflict superficial stab wounds to their arms, it is highly unlikely that someone would hit their head hard enough to leak cerebral fluid. Yeah. And not to mention the cut that, I don't know if you remember on his cheek, that was yeah. so deep you could see his teeth. His, yeah. Not likely. Yeah. It, if anything, that those wounds, they were they, they point towards a severe attack. Yeah. So the defense did win and Niels was acquitted. Okay. It has now been almost 61 years since the horrifying murders took place. And another suspect has never been named. Wow. So this happened in 2004. He was acquitted, I believe, in 2005. And it's now 2021. Nothing has come up. And it seems very unlikely because of that, that the murders will never be solved due to a contaminated crime scene, improper storage of evidence, and just too much time passing. A lot of people involved have died. Totally. 
but you you never know. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess you don't want to be like pessimistic, but the chances but are, are very slim, slim, which is yeah. awful. And the Lake Boda murders, once again, are Finland's longest unsolved crime. And that is the end of my story. Wow. But I do want to say that my money is on Carl, the first oh, suspect. The one who committed suicide and like yes. would put razors in the apples. The fact that he was known for cutting the lines of the tent to collapse them. I feel like that's like such a specific aggressive move that you just yes, don't hear people doing. That's weird. Oh, you know what I even forgot? Back then, so... I was picturing tents like today that mm-hmm. have those like metal st- or like plasticky mm-hmm. sticks that like, so these were tents that you put a line from tree to tree to and them hung up. your tent up that way. Yeah, yeah. So that's even, yeah. There's something so aggressive and like disgusting about that. Well, yeah, but then he, what, what did he do to them once he? Well, I mean, he would shoot at cars. He would throw rocks at people. I just feel like he had a violent streak. I don't know. I just wouldn't have doubted, especially if he's violent and an alcoholic and. There's a lot of things. I'm just going to slow down because my mic is giving up on me. Your this. mic is so... It's tired. Like, your mic acts tired. It, it does. does like, it's, I got to... It's vibe is off. I'll try to fix it because it like just hangs down by your boobs. It does. And I'm just slumped over. <laughs> yeah. Um, and anyways, camping story. So wait, um, you think it was that guy? I think it was Carl. Because I... Okay, well, I, I was thinking Niels. I and I love that it would, could be Assman just based off the name. But that yes. it looks exactly like him, the sketch in that that picture from the yes. crowd. And the fact that his alibi, the only reason that he was let off was because of his wife's alibi. And then she was like, I actually have no idea where he was. At the Carl guy, yeah. Yeah, so then yeah, I don't that's know. That's fair. No, that's fair. That's... And then the they suicide. All seem, I don't yeah, know. they all seem... And the suicide thing doesn't surprise me because... He clearly had a lot of issues, issues in yeah. life. So it wouldn't surprise me for someone like that to, to do that. But I don't know. That's I have an interesting tidbit okay. that I want to mention because okay. it's the very reason that I have never gone camping. And I don't know if I've told you the story, but I'm going to withhold names. I asked their permission, but I'm not going to say my relation to them or anything. Okay. But um, as I'm reading this article, it reminded me a lot of something that I was told like as a child. And someone I'm close to didn't want me to go camping because of this absolutely horrific experience that they had in the 70s, late 70s. She was camping with her fellow Girl Scouts at a state beach in Fort Bragg, California. They had a few tents set up, and in the large tent, there were about eight girls, and then the chaperones were in the other smaller surrounding tents. Oh my God, wait, is this the Girl Scout camping story? Like the Oh no, this is, this is like, oh no, 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 no. This is someone that is close to me. I'll say it later. Don't worry. Well, it doesn't to mean you. that she wasn't there. No, but no more. Ugh. Okay, sorry. So, the girl- <laughs> <laughs> so they're winding down. This is like around, it couldn't have been any later than 10 p.m., she recalls. But she said that they were winding down and some of the girls had fallen asleep in their sleeping bags and some of the girls were still up and just chatting. Sure. Yeah. And suddenly someone starts violently stabbing through the tent. And the girls were- With a knife? With a knife from all directions. And the girls were hysterically screaming. Yes. And huddling to the center of the tent to avoid being stabbed. Yeah. And she doesn't recall how the police were informed um, because obviously there's no cell phones back sure, then. in the but 70s. It's a very popular place to camp. So they're, she's assuming that they alerted, you know, authorities. Yeah. But um, they, none of the girls were hurt. But unfortunately, they just never caught the, the people trying to stab these children. Oh my and God. They believed that it was two men, but they oh. just are out there in Fort Bragg. Oh, that's horrifying. Yes. 
And that leads me to my Google search was how to prevent yourself from getting murdered while camping. Will I get murdered while camping? Because I want to give some statistics to people. Sure, 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 sure. Unfortunately, there are no specifics on sure. um, exact numbers. Yeah. But it is worth saying um, a helpful list on ways to protect yourself while camping. Because I know like, some of you are going to still do it. Okay, so my first one would be don't. <laughs> don't do it. There's, yeah. You can have fun in a hotel too. Yeah, even more, I would argue. But, do you, but if you insist on enjoying nature... Um, you need to first educate yourself on the campsite you are choosing. I Googled the top 10 most dangerous campsites in the United States. Mm. Do the same thing because they're shocking. Yeah. Um, don't just go because it looks pretty and you want to take an Instagram photo. You need to read about the dangers in that area. Sure. Make or go take your picture and then leave. And don't then leave. Sleep there and go back to the hotel. Yeah. Make sure you arrive when it's still light out. I think people underestimate how long it takes to actually set up camp. Oh, God. One time I did go camping and we got there after dark. It was... No bueno. It's gnarly. It's not a good idea. You and need- then, oh my God, I can't believe I've never told you this. So we get there after dark. Yeah. we li- It's pitch black, obviously. So we have to use the lights from our cars, like the headlights yeah. as any light to do it. So we set up the whole place, like all the other campsites seemed empty. No one was there. There weren't even rangers there at the check-in point. So we had to do like our own little check-in. Yeah, sign in. And then the next morning we get up. We're like walking around, walking around this. It was a really beautiful, like redwood area. And we discover that the only other campers in our vicinity, in the in the entire place, mm-hmm. is a few. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I can't believe uh, I've never told you this. I just remembered this. A few campsites down. Um, there is like a prison work release stop. situation happening where it was a really unpopular time to go camping, like out of the, that time yeah, of year. Yeah, yeah which is why we went because we had a good deal or whatever. So this local prison would bring uh, inmates to clean up. Oh my God. Yeah. So literally there are just a bunch of felons, felons, a few like campsites down. Clean what up. are the chances? Yeah. Out of a horror movie, really? Yeah. But um, anyways, Sorry. arrive before dark. Oh, yeah. Make sure you can check your surroundings. Yeah, no inmates should be anywhere near you. No, 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 no. You need to check for exit routes. Um, also, do not camp alone. There are weirdos. Uh, let me take that back. There are people that like to camp by themselves. It is not worth it. There's yeah. safety in numbers. It's a saying for a reason. Yeah. I read an article that said putting your tent against something like a rock or a large bush or a tree can provide a lot of security, at least provide mental security, and at least you know you're safe from one side. In my head, I'm like, you're trapped. Uh, that's what I was going to say. You're cornering yourself. This article states that it makes you more secure. I state otherwise. Yeah, I state otherwise too. Um, some campers suggest getting a motion detector to put outside your tent. I agree with that. Oh, be- a motion detector mm-hmm. light? Yeah, light. Or just like something that sounds off so I that you can be alerted. I mask, so it's like, I would never <laughs> It would just be flashing me. for no yeah. good. And because killers um, prefer to hide in the darkness, adding lights around your tent can help as well. So even just making sure. string lights, just light up sure. your area. Um, also bring a weapon to protect yourself. Oh, yeah. Whether it be pepper spray or a knife, like if you don't feel comfortable with a machete, gun, obviously. I would bring a machete. Machete, yes. Steak knife. Um, it's it's important to carry something. Yeah. And that is all I have to say about camping. Do it if, Do it if, you, if want, you want to risk it all. <laughs> We're not going with you. Mm-mm, absolutely not. Well, Ashley, I hope you enjoyed my story. I did. That was great. Thanks. Sometimes unsolved things are 
infuriating and and that it well they always are but Mm -hmm. i do love them i do too so don't shy away and i like to mix them in sometimes yeah we don't really cover them a lot i think we've done like two total no but there's time there's time we (laughs) We plan on doing this forever forever and ever no matter so please like us no i'm gonna do it no matter what i need you to like me i don't need anyone to like me i'm which is funny because this brings me into the next thing of i really want um to start doing things like are you more of an Anna or an Ashley and I've mentioned that before oh. but because we have such distinctly different personalities yeah as people get to know us they're start they're gonna start being like oh my god this Ashley girl yeah. is so me or this Anna girl is so yeah. me and um we should start doing that kind of like the Enneagram um pages do oh, yeah we should start being well I mean we have to build a friendships with our followers yeah first. I feel like we try to keep our banter kind of uh minimal minimal and just focus on the story so maybe we can do like other yeah. videos like q a's or something where people can get to know us better yeah i think we should do q a's on our instagram which we have by the way yeah anyways um you gotta drink up i've been I like know. saving this last little sip so that i can cheers you because i think it's really bad to cheers when it's empty and i think it's bad to drink before you cheers it's also um bad luck to cheers with alcohol if the other person has water well yeah what kind of narc are you hanging out with Sometimes I'm the narc. Well, are you? <laughs> yeah, sometimes I just have water. And my dad won't cheers me. He says, I don't know. Mm. Bad luck. Okay. Anyways. Whatever. We both have alcohol. <laughs> cheers, me. Cheers. Love you. Love you. Bye. bye. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you enjoy listening. We owe everything to the many journalists, authors, filmmakers, psychiatrists, and psychologists whose extensive work and expertise we pulled from to share this episode with you. For all of our detailed source material, please visit our website, thecrimebarpodcast.com. If you'd like to see content from today, you can find us on Instagram and YouTube at Crime Bar Podcast. We really love doing this show, and if you'd like to help the continued creation of it, you can support by donating to our Patreon, which we have linked on our website as well as our Instagram, patreon.com slash crimebarpodcast. This episode was hosted by Ashley Brumley-Johnson and Anna Katharina. We'll see you next week.